0: Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, today we continue on our series. We're right in the middle of it, and it's exciting. If you're new to us, basically we started a series called The Storymaker. And, And The Storymaker is basically about Jesus. And if you've heard the name once, you've heard it a bunch today, simply because it's beautiful, it's amazing, and it's changed my life, and hopefully he's changed your life. He's changed lives uh, around the world over years, and so that's what it's about today. Uh, It's simply because someone decided to open their eyes. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I hope you open your eyes, and I hope it changes your life, and I hope it impacts you in a way that really and honestly, it can impact your life, and just like we just sang that song. That song, I love that song. When it comes on the radio, if you see me driving down the street and you see me jamming, all right, I got my jam on. Don't, don't, don't freak out because there's a guy, a big guy sitting in a car screaming on top of lungs. But be multiplied. We multiplied. It's crazy to think. Right there at the very beginning. And we just celebrated Easter just a couple weeks ago. Right? We just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. And For those of you all shaking your head, come on with me. You, we're here. The storm is gone. We've got a new day. It's kind of cooled outside. It feels good. It's not like it was warm last week. Last week, was a little warm up in here. This week, it feels good, right? So you're good, all right? And so we, like, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And like we talked about in Easter, uh, that moment, uh, think about it. There was a hundred some odd followers of Jesus at the point of his crucifixion, all right? And then all of a sudden, what happened? It multiplied. It multiplied and multiplied and multiplied simply because they saw Jesus. They witnessed the Messiah. They were able to engage in the King of Kings. They were able to engage in this guy who literally was 30 some odd years of age. 33 to be exact. And, and, And they believed in him. They loved him and they decided to go all in with him following in his footsteps and becoming fishers of what? Man, yeah, if you grew up in church, you know that word. So today, I don't know where you came from, and I don't know what type of baggage you're bringing to the loft this morning. But I pray that you understand this: there is a gentleman, there is a man, there is a creator, there is a there's a dude, there's a father, there's a friend, there's a master, there's a savior who wants you to listen, but also see with clarity. That's today's message. And if I could just stop there, that is as simple as it gets. I could stop right there. It's as simple as it gets. But I got, Fox says I got 45 minutes. So, um, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best in 45 minutes to fulfill that message. But, you know, we, we, we started a couple of weeks ago, and we started with this idea. We we've all think we have a story. And we're like, ah, oh, man, you don't want to know my story. I got some baggage, dude. I don't want to be a part of that because simply because you, you really don't know my story. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started off with this huge idea, this, this concept, this, 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 this statement. You know, it, it fits on Twitter, so I know it works. And so it's one of those things. We, what we think is our story is only a part of our story. And I had a lot of people come up to me, man, thank you for telling me that story. Thank you for preaching that sermon. And it wasn't really me preaching the sermon as much as God delivered it, and that's just the truth, simply because you finally realize what your past was, that's your past. He wants to look at your future. He wants to look at what you're doing now to glorify the God. It's only part of your story. And a lot of us struggle with that story. And so if you get into church, and and I I hate to pick on the church, and so if if you're not a follower, and I set some examples right there at the very beginning on purpose, and, and this is why simply because you know there's a church culture you know what I'm talking about if you grew up in church and then there's a non-church culture and for this region of area this is this this place that we call home the bluegrass state we're really churched if we're honest we even the non-church people they're churched i mean they know that you know it's church time and they know that you know they they, they just know it's really weird they even know some of the songs it's kind of weird because they've heard them somewhere along the line or somebody handed them one of those little things, you know, the evangel cube or, you know, hey, you need Jesus. I got Jesus. Yes, I do. You got Jesus. No, you don't. So, you're, you, know, you know, it's one of those moments where they, they, they have those moments. And it's just weird. You get in those weird moments. And so we do have those moments and we have that culture. It's just we live in a weird place, folks. And you can look at your neighbor and say, we live in, you know, we do. And then you look at your neighbor and you're like, oh, yeah, no wonder. And so it's one of those moments it's one of those moments, and you might be married to him, so hey, it's not my fault. But we do, we do, and we live in that area called Kentucky where it sort of gets like religious real quickly. And so uh, today I'm just going to debunk some things as a pastor. This is like confessional time. It really is, but at the same time, it's a simple story. And, and But what I really want you to understand is that, hey, listen, the story is so simple that we make it complex. The story is so simple that sometimes because we live in the culture that we do live in, and, and that we grew up in the culture that we did grow up in, we make it kind of complex. And so for this morning, wherever you're at, I want you to strip it away. And maybe you're carrying some things that you need to let go, and maybe you're just holding on to something so tight that you you really just you don't you don't need this 10-step process. You just need one thing. And his name is Jesus. And so last week, that's what we said. We said, you know, when we surrender to Jesus is the beginning of the story, and it could not be more truer than that. And for a lot of us, we've, we've played this culture game of Christianity. We've, we've, we grew up in church, and so therefore we grew up on mom and dad's face, but maybe it's grandma's face. We grew up on that type of faith, and we just said, hey, listen, uh, I believe because my mom believes, my dad believes, and I grew up and my, my granny believes, and everybody else believes, and so I believe. And, and, and seeing those, I saw the light of good stuff. You know, I get, I get into it. Oh, you know, we, we, get, we, get on, we get fired up. We don't know we get we're fired up because just we get fired up, don't we? And I'm going to say something at the very end of the service that really wasn't from a Christian, but it has the most impact that I've ever had simply because the true statement. So I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to it. But it talks about simplicity and the power of it. Power of saying I surrender all to you, Jesus. It's the beginning of your story. And so today I thought it'd be easy. I want to keep it simple. And so for us, you, you might have heard that before. Some people have heard KISS, right? And keep it simple. Yeah, a lot. See, you know, I wasn't going to go there. But if you want to hold names at me, I mean, it's, you know, I, I was going sweetie pie, sugar, silly, and for my life, it's Sarah. Keep it simple, Sarah. Uh, and, you know, it just really is. I'm just being honest. Sometimes she, you know, we're just a little complex in our lifestyles. And you know, I got one thing on mine, and she's like, she's like, woo, and you know, I'm just, I'm, this is, focus is a great word. Simplicity is a great word. So keep it simple. You can fill in the blank however you feel need today. But for us, here's the truth. A simple story is a powerful story. A simple story is a powerful story. And we're going to discover that today in the book of John. John is somebody who walked with Jesus, loved Jesus. He took care of Jesus' mom. He refers to himself as the beloved one. He refers to himself as a lot of things. He's always the first one around the scene. He's walking on Jesus, loving Jesus. He, he walked with Jesus. He learned a lot from Jesus. And so he has some knowledge of what Jesus was doing. And he records an amazing passage in John chapter 9. So if you got your Bibles, that's where we're heading. If you got your iPhone, you Version, whatever you need. There's some Bibles in the back if you need one. By all means, take it. Those are there for you. Um, we read from the NIV version of the Bible, and so it, it's just—it's a good translation. So we just—there's all kinds of translations. I just want to debunk that—that that, little religious thing right there. It, it, we, we believe that you know God's word is, is is beautiful and it's transparent, and it just allows us to penetrate through any word. But today we're going to read from uh, John chapter nine, one through twenty-seven. And some of you are like, wait wait, minute, this is the story about the blind man. Didn't we just talk about this about two, three months ago? And you, and you know what? You're right. We did. But this story is so perfect for today, we're not going to hit on the, the idea of, of the blind man and, and, and the, how the miracle happened. The miracle of Jesus when he, when he took, and you got to understand that concept that he took you know, there was nothing there. There was no synoptic fibers or anything. There was nothing here from, from eyeball to brain. So there's the, the cortex. and We're not going to get into that, the miracle. We're going to get into something so simple. We're going to get into the story of how simple this passage is. And, and, and so for us, a simple story that has a powerful story. And today, here's the truth. If you're a Christian, it's about being practical. For you and for me, if we're Christ followers, it's about being practical. When you share your story especially, and if you're a non-Christian, you can listen in and I want you to listen in and and maybe this connects with you today. Uh, Maybe you think this is the worst sermon you've ever heard and this is what it's always about. You know, you have my permission to come talk to me afterwards and say, that was horrible and I'll be okay with it simply because this sermon is really designed for Christ followers. And maybe, however, it sticks. Maybe this sermon sticks in a way that it starts to penetrate your heart and maybe you're asking for more advice because you're starting to see something or something starts to reveal to you about Christ in a way that allows you to see for the very first time. And so today I pray this, I pray this. Whatever situation that you're in, whatever story that you have, wherever you're at with Jesus, you understand a simple story is a powerful story, and so before we get started, I would like to give five quick um, precursors for a story, Uh, and and I've always heard this, and I am the world's worst at this, and so uh, this is not one of them, but you know, they always say a short sermon can never go wrong, you know, And, and I'm like, I try my best to keep it under a certain limit. I never accomplish that goal. But a short sermon is always a good sermon. But here's, here's some amazing advice that I took from a book called Walk Across the Room. And, and it's a guy named, a pastor named Bill Hybels. He's one of the frontiers in church planning. And, and the book is back there, down there at starting point. So it's a great, great read. But here's five quick illustrations. And we're going to find this inside this story that we're getting ready to read. But I wanted to bring them out to, to, just, just to, to, to mull over a little bit before we get going. But here's the first one. Keep it short. You know, you ever get to around somebody that the story just goes on and on and on? You're like, we you shut up? And you're even one doing one of these things. You're walking away, and they're still coming to tell you the story. You're just like, yeah, and you're trying to find things to do, trying to move them around, trying to clean up the place, and you're, you're doing all kinds of things. And, they, they just, and they're just right there behind you. And you're like, well, you, well, you can tell me the story, but will you help me? You know, you know people like that? Yeah, some of you are looking at your husband. And so, you know, it's one of those things, but we don't know how to keep it short. We're good at long-winded stories. We are, and the other one is—is is, is keep it clear. You know, keep it really laser focused. Keep it on the objective. It's like I told said last week. You know, if, if you've been around my children, and, and I know some of you have children, so let's just work with children right now. But a child tells a story, uh, and the story is like you know, and we were fishing over here, and we just, and it's and, and then a the hurricane, and then you know, and then uh, I ate my oatmeal pie, and then all of a sudden it was. Uh, And then the big monster whale came up and it was, and and, and the story is like so, woo over here. And if you just stay focused. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because your wife does that. And so it's one of those moments, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right? Uh, And then then there's the other side, you know? Don't tell the weird God story, right? And what I mean by that? You know, if you're out there telling people about Jesus and you're out there and you're being a great witness and I'm, I'm going to give you the rah rah re, kick the devil in the knee, and, you know, whatever you got going on, I'm proud of you. But, you know, you're like, and Jesus woke me up at 1 a.m. in the morning in one second. And guess what happened on the next day? He woke me up at 2 a.m. in one second and then the next day, and you're like, 3 a.m., one second. Yeah, how'd you know? You know? And you're like, no, man, I'm telling you, it was Jesus. And it, I, I, I'm with you. But keep those in your pocket for another time because some people look at you like, man, you are crazy, you know? And, and, and I know sometimes we have to be crazy to be Jesus followers, so I'm not making fun of us, but sometimes I am. But it was one of those moments where we have to understand we're dealing with a culture. We're dealing with a culture that really... Thanks we're weird enough for meeting up here in the first place. That we're weird enough for singing songs in the first place. That we're weird enough to talk about God in the first place. And so when you start telling that weird God story, it only complex things. It complicates things. And so this other one, I, I, I'm going to tag that, and this comes out of the book. And, and, but it, don't use weird religious terminology meaning salvation is the only way. We got these baptisms coming up in the name of the blood of the water. Hallelujah. And we use these big, huge words out there in the open world, and and we're just like, man, I've been sanctified, glorified. And we're just throwing words after words, and they're looking at you like, what? Maybe you've been accustomed to those words. And I'm not saying don't use the words. I'm just saying when you communicate your story, keep it. Oh, you're with me today. Good job. Keep it simple. Keep it so straightforward. And you're going to see this is coming from Jesus and also coming from John, who sort of recorded everything in, in, in detail. So there's, there's something we can learn from this. And this last one goes for us as Christ followers those who have been a Christ follower for years. And this one is going to be tough to swallow for some people because you're going to have to act. Stop acting so superior. A- a- and avoid using a sense of superiority. I mean, it, if, if you think you're superior, then maybe you really don't understand the whole ramification of Jesus. Because Jesus himself came and humbled himself on the cross. But if you need, know anything about scripture, he, he deliberately, he came to what? served and he washed people's feet. He, he went to the water well and he, he would love on people. He, he stood before a crowd of an angry mob and he served a woman out of love, not out of shame or remorse or guilt. He said, go and your sins are wiped away. He served her. He loved her. And sometimes we get around people that just say, you know, yeah, you, you need to hear my testimony because it's a good one, you know. Maybe you just haven't figured out the whole message yet and that's okay. The truth of the matter is try to avoid using some of those terminologies simply because it's dangerous. It's dangerous grounds. And so when, when God did something, when God did something they could they could under, uh, not understand, it, it's just one of those things with we take them to church and so we just we get in that motion of, of taking them to church and and we're just like sitting back looking at looking at them and saying, hey, you're here now, you're with us and we're excited. We're, we've complexed everything. We've, we've complicated it. It turns into now a complex situation because you, you brought something outsider to church. And so for today, wherever you're at, I just, if you're a Christ follower, if you're not, I don't know why you're here. I really I don't. I pray you're here for one reason: to know more about Jesus Christ. Because as soon as we dive into this, for us as Christians, for those who our followers, we, we, we all have a story. We all have a story in Christ. but fill in the blank. We all have a story that we need to share. But last week we talked about butts. We, we wanted to shrink the butts, people shrink the butts. And we talked about that what it looks like. It's a workout. It's, it's, you know, it's a, we, we meet up here weekly at 6.30 on certain nights, you know come come visit, we shrink the butts. But for a lot of us, we, we have this. We all have a story in Christ, but you feel on the brink. I'm afraid to share it. Uh, I'm afraid to share it because I don't know. I don't know all the answers in the Bible. I, matter of fact, I couldn't find my way to Mark or Romans or uh, what's that one in the beginning of Genesis? Yeah, I couldn't find that one either. I don't. And we, I go to church. I've been in church since I was a kid. I really couldn't tell you. I mean, books are in the Bible, and you're a Christian now. Yeah, I'm a Christ follower. Uh, yeah, I, I, I. Yeah. So we start to get embarrassed by what we don't know. Or this one happens, and so for 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 a lot of teenagers, this one happened to me even this week is peer pressure. Uh, and so for some people, you know. We, we fall into this, what will they think of me if I do do this? If I do share my story, what will my f- best friends think of me? What will they think of me if I don't do this and live this lifestyle? Or this one. And for a lot of people, this is the one that sort of sinks the most. It's is sort of what's next. Changing what you care about. You know, what happens when we do change what we care about and we go all in? What happens next, man? If, if I do know I have a story in Christ, but... What happens next? Do I have to sell my house? Do I have to sell my car? Do I have to stop leaving, leaving, you know, be around this this group of people over here? I really like my friends, and or, does that mean I got to give really ten percent? Does it mean like I uh, do? I have to stop. Uh, do I have to give up these these pills? Do I, do I have to? Stop watching this type of movie. Do I have to go a little deeper? Let's just be real. Do I have to stop sleeping around now that I'm a Christ follower? If it's a conviction inside, yes, I'm going to say yes. If you start to read the word and it's starting to pour out you in a way that reveals to you that you're living in sin, yes. And when you look square eye to eye to Jesus Christ and you feel like you have messed up, yes. Bottom line is, but you fill in the blank. You're going to have to share your story, and that's what today is all about. Share your story where you are, when you came about, and and just knowing your story is a powerful story, but keep it simple. And here's one of the things, if I can go back to real quickly at the very beginning, I said we grew up in this religious area that's really this powerful. This is one of the buts, all right? This is one, I, I want to debunk one of the buts, and this is the pastor confession side, and so... One of the things that I've noticed in this area is this, um, and maybe you can resonate with it, but it's this, it's, 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 maybe when you grew up in this culture, your butt is, well, let's go talk to the pastor. That, that's the pastor's job to tell them about Jesus. That's not my job. It, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's Stacy's job. It's, it's, it's Rhonda's, it's mine, it's, it's one of the, you know, accelerators. it's, it's somebody else's job, it's... it's it's not mine. I will just, just get them there. You know, I did really good. Hey, look, at my, I got a whole row. You know, I did really good today. I got my whole row here today, and it's, it's awesome. I got, I got three guests. Did I get a star. You know, I grew up with that. Let's get the pastor to tell the story of Jesus. You see that type of theology. I'm using a religious term, but that type of thought is a very dangerous thought, and has caused our religion for years, to have an epic failure. It has taught us that we were not smart enough. It's taught us that, you know, that we, 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 we don't know how to lead someone to Christ. But, but Jesus' description in here in John chapter nine, it teaches us that it's really simple. It's, it's a kiss, or go tell, or trust me, or in his words, Jesus' words, follow and so for us, that's what we're going to do. So if you've got your word, go ahead and open it up. John chapter 9, and let's just see where we go into uh, the privileges of, of his words and see how it penetrates our hearts. It says, in mind, John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And so this is right in the middle of Jesus' ministry. He's, he's walking for three years now, and this is getting ready to come to the end. But it, this is the, one, of the, one of the greater uh, miracles that happened in John chapter 9. This is where it starts off. It's, it says this. It says, as he went along. He saw a man blind from birth. And so right there, at the very, very beginning, we see something that is just sort of a big word. We really don't pay much attention to the word, but the word is pretty powerful. And and, and if you could just say this with me, it's, it's the word right after the comma. It's he saw. So here we go. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. I want you to understand that Jesus, when he was walking, he was looking. He was looking for the opportunity to see people who were hurting, to see people who were far from him, to see people who were hung up on, on some kind of sin or hung up or just far from God. He was looking and he's still looking today. He, he saw a blind man born from birth his disciples asked him, Rabbi, which is another way of saying Messiah or Jesus. He says, it's, it refers to a teacher. So Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so right here at the very beginning, we get into this, this complexity. We get into this thought process where, you know, Jesus is just really trying to, he's trying to do what he does best is see people far from God and go invest into him and see him come to know Jesus and that way they can see the light. And the disciples, they're looking at this past. And for us in church, don't we do that? I mean, if we grew up in a church, don't we look at the past? We grew up in an area that just longs for just to, to bring out the past. Oh, 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 ah. Oh. And we just, instead of knowing and glorifying the moment that they come to know Jesus, we sort of, we go after the past. And it's inbred, and that's simply because the disciples do it. They did it too. They wanted to know. Disciples see his past, and, and we see the past, the world, the world we live on and breathe in, we breathe in the past. But Jesus sees a story. Jesus sees a story that is, is getting ready to be told. Jesus sees a story that is getting ready to be told. He doesn't see the past. He's like, man, this is gonna be good. You guys need to watch this. You need to come on in circle and get of This is. This is getting ready to be a great story. John, get your pen out. Get your pen out, John. Come on, get, get ready. This is get, Why? Because he is the light of the world. And you know the rest of the story if you grew up in church. And those who believe in me shall what? Live and see the light. And so, we, you know, we get into this moment, these disciples are wanting to bring up the past and they're starting just, just to, to bring up all this negativity and, and instead, of, instead of just the glory moment that's getting ready to be revealed, why do we do this? If I could just pause and ask that simple question, why do we do this? But, but we, if we could put the but in there again, but we, why do we do this? Why do we love to live in the past? We all do it. Come on, let's just be honest. Let's, I don't know why we do it. Maybe it's because we have a a superior issue with with ourselves. We have a problem uh, uh, of being superior, of having that one notch up on that other person. Maybe it's because we're afraid. I remember when I was young, and um, still young in some aspects, but I remember that I was afraid to, talk about the Bible, I was afraid to talk about certain things because I was just afraid I'd be wrong. I was always afraid to share the story simply because I, I, I didn't do it well enough. I was also afraid of maybe of my past and some of the things that I've done in my, my past. I'm scared to death. And, and, I, and I lived a goody-two-shoe life, if we could use that word. I stayed out of trouble for the most part. Didn't get into things, but I still have a past. And I don't like telling it because sometimes I'm afraid I don't have a story to tell because I hear other people's stories and I'm sitting there going, wow, that's an amazing story. And I look at myself, I'm like, awesome story. I really don't have a story. Man, I I have a mom and dad who loves me and they still around and you came out of nothing and look at you now. I look, sometimes I feel unworthy, but I know I got a Jesus who's staring at me wanting to use my story and want to multiply the story simply because he cares, he wants to be with us. He loves us and desires to have our attention. You see, the other bad thing about this is when we get into those circumstances, when we come into that, that arena, which is this loft today, churches do it too. Churches get into the habit of uh, we talk about how good it used to be, right? Come on, let's just lean in a little bit, right? We, we talk about the good old days. Remember when we used to do it this way? Man, those hymns were amazing, and we used to sing from that hymn book, and man, I remember my hymn, and we, we talk, and I'm not bashing, but we do do this. We're guilty of this, church people. We talk about the good old days, or what we used to do when, instead of what Jesus wants to do now with the story that He's making and how he's moving now. We talk about the good old days. And, that, and let's just go up and fast forward it to us. Now, I'm not taking nothing away from what we experienced in the park because those are some defining moments in our story. But if we still constantly live in those, the park and, man, it was good, or it was really, really good, and, and man, we, if that's all we're gonna focus on, then we are missing the mark today. We're missing what God can do And so I just want to press our people that's been in the journey since day one with us from the park. Yeah, those 14 weeks, amazing. It it pruned my heart. And I know I'm the man I am today simply because of that moment. But if I live in that moment, I know I'll never be able to tell the story that he's doing today. Because it's always about in the past. And Jesus is looking at our future and what he wants to do with this movement and this gathering today. So a simple story, a simple story is a powerful story, but we love to, to complex it in a way that we keep on asking questions instead of pausing and seeing Jesus for what he's trying to do. And so this is where we're gonna go. Let's keep reading. It says, It um, says, Verse three says, "Neither this man nor his parents sin," said Jesus. "But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in this life. As as long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am the I, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world." Having said this, this is where it gets real funny, in the story said it before, but he spat. He hawked a loogie in our, in our culture. He, you know, he got that moment going on. And on the ground, he spat. Made some mud with the saliva, and he put it into the man's eyes. Now, here's a command, go. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool. Salome. This word means sin. So the man went and washed, and he came home, what? Seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it it was or it looked like him, you know, and he's just like, yeah, that's him. Others said, no, 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 he only looks like him. But he himself insists, I am, I am the man. You know somebody walked over, you know. And some people, let's just be honest, you know, the beggars and people on the street, they, they have a distinct smell, and you get around them, and you're just like, you know somebody walked, and this guy didn't even have a name, so let's just call him, he's a blind beggar, so let's call him Billy Bob. That fits for our culture. So Billy, they go over to Billy Bob, and they yep, that's Billy Bob. You know somebody did that. Because he says this, he says, But he insisted, I am, I am the man. It's me, it's me. And they're like, are you sure? And so somebody walks over. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded, and we don't know who they are, but there's a lot of people now. He said, he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. And he's just kind of happy. He's like, man, this is great. I get to see everything. Whoo, this is awesome. Never knew that was there. Didn't know what you look like, but now I do. I wish I didn't. You know, it's just one of those moments. Truthfully. And so they ask this question. It starts to get a little bit of complexity here. They, the ones who were around him, he said, where is this man? Here comes the complex story. They asked him. Now, this is the dumbest one of the dumbest questions I think I've read in the Bible you know where is this man he was blind y'all go back and read the storyline it said he spit on some ground put it in his eyes and then he said go now that's just kind of hard in its own way if you ever sent a blind man down the street and said go and without his little cane or walk jog, I mean this is gonna be hard and this is what the storyline we got here he says go and they're asking where'd he go And they didn't happen, the miracle didn't happen. And it happened after he washed and he was obedient to what God was telling him to do in the first place, which was to say, listen, hey, just trust me, follow me, go down here to the pool, wash this stuff off, you're gonna be able to see. Really? Yes. Seriously? Yes. Just trust me. Go do this, it's gonna be good. You're gonna be able to see. Okay, I'm gonna do this. And he does it. And then here comes a stupid question Where is the man? They asked him. I don't know. Hold on, I can see. Wow, this is awesome. And so guess what the people did? Let's just keep going. It says the Pharisees investigated the healing. So the word gets out. The church church people want to know. It says they brought him to the Pharisees, the the church people. The man who had been blind, now, verse 14, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was Sabbath. Sabbath. Another holy word. Therefore the Pharisees sees also asked him about or asked him how he had received his sight. So well, here comes an explanation again, second time in my Bible. It says, and you can almost hear his testimony. So it's kind of like kind of soft-spoken at this moment. Well, he, he put some mud on my eyes, and, and the man replied, and then I washed. And now I see in front of all the, you know, if you're standing in front of the church, you know, tell me about your healing, uh, how Jesus put some mud on my eyes, and then the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Well, that's all I got. That's it. It's everything I got. I mean, it's just, that's all I got. That's it. Verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. For he does not keep the Sabbath, but others ask him, "How can a sinner do such a miraculous signs?" So they were. What was that word? Oh, I didn't hear you. what? Oh, guess what? Church people, ever been there yet? Ever seen a church split? It started a long time ago, and we are just following in the footsteps of religion. I'm just being honest. We can pick out some of the stupidest things and argue over them, especially when it comes down to what kind of carpet we're going to put in churches. Well, I don't like this color on that. wall. Well, I like burgundy. Um, And I'm going to leverage burgundy because I'm going to put the nice big fat check in the pot. Burgundy memo. I'm just being real. I I grew up in the church, so I had the right... Uh, To to poke Little fun here. We're just following in the footsteps. We get into this notion of of bringing somebody into the church, and here we are arguing over it. When God did something really big, they could not understand it, so they took him to church, and they screwed it all up. We do the same thing with people we come in contact with Daily. When, when we see people starting to see the light, we switch them into a, a prom candidate. To come to church with me. Oh, man, you're going to love it. Come and sit here and sing songs that you don't even know. Yeah, I'll clap, but you don't even know how to clap. So just keep clapping. Just go with me. We're going to talk about things that you don't even know. We're going we're gonna to read about. I'm going to go back in the starting area, and we're going to give you a Bible, and you don't even know the first thing about the Bible. We complex it. Why? We even start to say language, man. I said last last week that Christianese. Yeah, we talk it. We talk it well. God was thick up there today. I, I mean, I've seen it thick. I didn't see that. I don't know what you're talking about. See, we lo- we love complexity. And if you don't believe me, let me just push a button here, okay? Let's just push pause on the story and let's, we'll come back to it. But men, let's just go down the road for a second. So women, you can tune out for a second. But men, um, we ask our wives this, right? We ask, or and if you're dating somebody, just um, for the benefit of the doubt, you can laugh but I know on the inside, you're like, oh, I don't do that. But let's just be real. Man, we ask the questions all the time. We say, you know, hey, honey, where, where would you like to go eat after, after church or Friday night? What do you, what, what? And we're driving along. And, and they're like, well, I don't really care. Do you choose? And you pull into, oh, I don't want to go here. And you're like, <laughs> all right, and I'm poking fun. Yeah, I'm poking fun. And then you pull into the next restaurant, you know, Applebee's. Well, oh, I don't like to eat here. And you just ask a simple question, so now you end up at the Burger King drive thru and they're sitting there. Oh, oh, yeah. I, and then just like they're just waiting for the menu, and you've already ordered, and then the person like, "You haven't ordered," and you're just like, "You know, you've been there." Okay, women. I told her, I went, men I, I would pick on you, and so now we're going to vice versa. Uh, women, you ask a straightforward question. I mean, it is so straightforward. Don't you? I mean, like, do you, and you can fill in the blank, so I'm not going to go there, or does this, fill in the blank, you can, you can choose to answer this, but you ask the questions expecting an answer. And we really don't answer the question, do we? <laughs> we sort of look at it because we, we know if we tell the truth, it's going to get complex. So we say stuff like this, and here's some of the questions that I have to deal with in my household. Forgive me. But let's just use this question for example. And I feel sorry for you if you ever have to answer this question. If you've never had to answer this question, you're, well, you're not been married long enough. But here comes the question Does this dress look good on me? Or whatever you do, that is a loaded question. It is dangerous zone. It is a complex question. No matter how you answer it, my answer. You're newlywed or wanting to be or trying to get there. Remember four letters. It fine. It looks fine. Great. Good. It's a safe, it's a safe bet. But even that I get in the car and I know it's going to be a complex situation because, well, it just doesn't fit right, or it, you know, and it gets complex. It gets complex. Then it gets tense. And then next thing you know, we're arguing about something that was silly in the first place. And in my book, this is how it rolls. That's a 10 10 principle. Over something so simple. The devil coming to still kill, and destroy any type of joy that we're supposed to have walking as a family to church. And he's re- removing it because our complexity that we love to put in the situation at the very beginning of the day. We do it daily. Instead of waking up and enjoying the favor of God that he has blessed you with, we start off things in a wrong motion. We start to ask simple, stupid questions. Instead of saying, Jesus has blessed us today with something amazing. And so we get into, back into this story, and it's the same thing. See, men and women make up the church, and, and, and when an outside person looks in, you know what they see sometimes? Complexity. But we use all these kinds of excuses, and, or, and because why people ain't coming, or my friend, and it's these butts. And then we try to use all these latest outreach tools of uh, marketing tools, tracks, cubes, evangel cube, or you know, even some of these weird things, poster boards on, on our bodies. And when the only thing Jesus asked for us to do, when the only thing he asked for us to do is just to go share it, share the story and keep it simple. So as we just push forward right here. It says verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this, this man is not, not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. It says, but others ask him, how can a sinner do a miraculous sign? So they were divided. Finally, verse 17, finally they turned again to the blind man. Here it comes again. It says, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. Now he's wishing, like, man, I wish I never got my eyes open. I don't even know what's going on. I just want to go back to being blind. I didn't have all these questions. I just, This is crazy. You can almost see the tension. The man replied, he is a prophet. The hush. You can almost imagine it. The Jews still did not believe that he had been born, or excuse me, that he, that, that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents, it's almost like, well, we're going to get to the root of this. And so they, they brought his parents into this. And this is verse 19. It says, is this your son, they asked. Is this the one that, say, was born blind? How? And they just keep on firing these questions. And I know how this feels. I mean, if you've been in that pressure situation, they don't even let the person answer. They just keep on asking questions. The complexity. How is it that now he can see? And so verse 20 says this. We know We know he is our son. They were straightforward. We know he is our son. The parents answered. And we know he was what? Born blind. But now he can see, or excuse me, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. And here's why they said that. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And here's the answer. His parents said this because they were afraid of the what? Jews, for they already, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was Christ would be put out of the synagogue, the church. That is why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So, guess what? They asked him again. Verse 24. I mean, it's like a broken record. I mean, you've been there, done that for those who are a little bit older. It just keeps on going over and over. And here it comes. A second time they summon. So this is kind of funny, you know, that they asked the parents, and so now they're summoning the kid back. And he might be a little older than a kid, but he's he's old enough to of age. And so they summon him, the man who was born blind. Give glory to God, they said. So it's now getting to that pressure situation, that moment of, of, you know, we're going to get you to bend into our ways, our complexity. Give, Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25, this is where it gets real. I love it. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And you can see there's an exclamation point there. And so I'm just guessing Billy Bob threw out some other words, all right? I mean, I'm just going down the road. At this point, he's fiery up. He's ready to roll. He's probably a redhead. I'm just saying that. He's he's, he's just got to get that, just the anger coming out. And he's just, he's just, but now I see. So verse 26, it says this, and then they asked him, what did you do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not what? Listen. You did not listen. I love this. This is where he switches it. Why do you want to hear it again? Why do you want to hear it over and over again? Do you want to become his disciples too? See, a lot of us, a lot of us, even in this story, can fit this story. It, we can mimic it in the aspect we, we, we see things happen. We see, we see God move, and we can't even understand God simply because our story's not founded in Jesus. We ask a ton of questions, and we try to get them into the church, and we make it too complex for the church to even move. We, we drown it out. Just like they did, we do it. And so that's why we started off last week. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. So the story has got to start with Jesus. It's got to start somewhere. And so if you've never had a story, maybe you need to start there. But maybe your story is relevant. And it is real. Maybe it is here today. I would ask you to think about this. There's three things we can learn from this storyline, and it's pretty remarkable. It's how powerful Jesus can move. And if you know the rest of the story, after that, they get so frustrated with this guy because he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. He starts to glorify Jesus. They throw him out. It's like, just get out of here. And from that point on, the synagogue, they start to fall. The the true joy of of Jesus' story is now on the streets where it's multiplying because Jesus goes, embraces him and says, I am the one who gave you sight. And it says he worshiped him. You see, we don't have to come to the loft to worship Jesus. Uh, I say that, but it's the truth. We don't have to be in churches to worship Jesus. You just gotta turn your eyes to him. It's just that simple of a story. We make it so complex, but here's, I want to just leave you with this, this great idea that's found in John chapter nine. It's, it's three things, and if you're taking notes, I hope you jot this down and remember it. It's my life before, and for the blind man, my life before, I was blind. I couldn't see. I was born this way. I didn't, I didn't know daylight I didn't I could feel the sunlight hit my face but I really didn't know what that bright amazing beautiful object looked like and 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 I never got to see my mom and dad but now I get to see them and they didn't look nothing like what I thought they were gonna look like but man they look they're my parents and when I met Jesus it changed everything It changes the way I I now get to walk down the street. I don't have to hold on to that bar. I don't have to use this right here. I don't have a seeing eye dog no more. I get to literally run down the street with no fear and see the dump truck coming across the way without honking his horn. And now, and now I get to go tell others that I can see. I can see. You see, there's three things in that story. Before, when I met Jesus, and now I can. You fill in the blank. And so for all of us, a simple story is a powerful story. But here, remember at the very beginning, I said, I have two things that I thought were pretty impressive that I found. And it comes, one, from Leonardo da Vinci. And I I believe he was one of the most famous artists ever lived. He said this, and it's recorded. It says, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. A lot of us like to get up and have this huge grandiose story when Jesus himself even used the simplest of stories to get inside the church. And so for us as a church, we need to have a simple story. We started with a small movement of people that wanted to be Christ followers, and our whole heart is to multiply so we can see this whole area just radically change for Jesus. If we can just stop all the complexity stuff in our churches and, and, and just the hatred that we grew up with one another trying to make it divided, that we could just focus on the one who conquered the division. See, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It's all about Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand that, then you probably, you probably will understand this. Albert Einstein said this. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And when I read that, I, I literally had a tear trickle down my face because when you ask people their Jesus story, they go into church. They start talking about the church. They start talking about church in a way that, they, you know, you know clearly at that moment that it is really nothing about Jesus. It's all about Church. And I'm telling you right now, if the statistics are real, there's going to be a ton of churches closing up shop by the year 2025. Here in America, we follow the world's suit. We just naturally do. The pressure's pushing in. And guess what? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that pressure on a balloon. And the only thing we got is just the church, it's going to pop but if you've got your voice and you've got the light of the world with you and you understand who Jesus is, he will survive. And I pray today you have Jesus in your heart and you can see because he's looking for you and he's looking for me to share a story, to be a bold witness, to go to tell, to go to the pool and to be washed by the cleansing powers of his name. That's it. That's it. It's just that simple. So what's your story, folks? Where are you at today? I know some people need to be baptized. May 17th is coming up, man. It's going to be a good day up here, and I pray God's working. I pray that we have just in a moment here that's just going to be to celebrate and just send shockwaves across this area because there's some stories in here that need to be told from that day forward. And you, you will be a witness. Just like this man. Billy Bob, the blind man, the blind beggar. So, for all of us, we're a beggar in some ways. I just pray that today, I pray you humble yourself in a way that allows the story to become his story and it becomes a story maker, a moment with Jesus. So, Jesus, we just pray. We pray in a way this morning that, that you just continue to move and, and you continue just to, to use our stories. We pray that you just, this morning just, you prune our story. You get it down to the nitty gritty where it's just before, now. Where am I going with you? You prune it so much that it's, that's all we got. We don't have any other leveraging power except you, Jesus. And so for us this morning, wherever we're at, whatever baggage we come with, Lord, just now I just ask that you move, and you move so powerful. You move in a way that allows us to start to see things for the very first time. You move in our lives, so whatever we're holding, we're, we're, whatever we're holding in our hearts that's keeping us hostage from you, Lord, just, just, allow it to, just allow us to break free from that. Allow us to experience you. Allow us to, to open our eyes for the very first time today. So Jesus, that's my prayer. You and your amazing, healing, miraculous powers. You're looking for us and you want to use us. So Jesus, I ask in your name that we move and we open our eyes towards you.